When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. talk about bunny have you i mean i know you're not a royalist in modern case I'm, I'm sure you detest the queen as many people do i'm not too i'm not very thrilled about the, I, I don't feel any ways about her she's whatever um but what i am intrigued by is this insane 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 spectacle that is this fucking funeral i'm like imagine <laughs> if in america we had we had so much reverence for when our fucking president died bitch when our president died we don't give a fuck Maybe the only person who's, who we made bad an eyelash who may die is, is Obama. Because Obama is probably one of the most beloved presidents that we've had. No one, anyone else has, but no one cares. I cannot imagine drawing the death of a, she's not even a leader. She's just a figurehead. Over, it's been, it's, it's going to be, first of all, there's 10 days of mourning plus the 40, it's crazy. It is insane. I yeah. can't, I can't. It seems wild. Yes, it's almost as if the media including the American media, because I can understand why the English would be interested. I mean, you know, unlike a president, as you say, uh, she did die in office. I mm. mean, you know, uh, so, I mean, but her reign was, you know, what was it, over 50 years, more? Over 70 years. 70, so, yeah, it's like, I mean, uh, you know, listen, uh, we're going to uh, have a guest on, Martin Belk, author of Pretty Broken Punks, who is American studying in Scotland, and he's been looking at the um, some of the ways the media has portrayed this, and also some, you know, behind the scenes stuff. Um, and I, I I saw a link today of the Celtics, which is a, a 
I guess, soccer team, girl, you know, I think there's a Celtics in the U.S., but I don't even know what the fuck that is. Uh, so it, it's, it's that's, that's a football team? I don't know. Honey, what, you, no, yeah, no, 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 the Celtics are a Boston basketball team, I believe. Don't you dare say The Boston Celtics. Okay, so anyway, these are the Celtics in Scotland or whatever that were playing some football game in a huge stadium. Oh, got it. And uh, there was an Instagram link showing them, and they were literally like, I mean, all, the whole stadium was chanting something like, we hate the monarchy. And so they weren't singling out Elizabeth or Prince Charles. They were, I mean, they were, they weren't, they didn't just bust down into this for a second, I mean, they were like into it with drums on the fo- on on the playing field of the stadium, like you know, playing along with them. This was like gonna fit, you know. So Martin told me, you know, that that has some history because there are many people who uh, don't even think that this house of is it House of Windsor that they're yes. part of. Uh-huh. That they that they that see them as legitimate. That it was a you know there there were there were squabbles as there always will be, always have been about who was the legitimate successor to the throne, you know back then. So um, you know that and and some of the Scots feel you know that they there's still a score to settle, so they're not happy with any monarch. It wasn't directed at Charles, but there's also been some interesting. Uh, viral moments like did you see the one of of Charles in an, his first official <laughs> capacity yes, and he's like uh-huh. he couldn't get an ink pen to write or whatever and he kind of tried to like push the ink well away in a kind of like a I mean girl it looked uh-huh. extremely disdainful and pampered well I mean he has probably he has been pampered 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 his entire life and also yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm not very in tune with all of the customs of British royalty and how they behave, but um, I'm sure he's just not really acting this way because he just became king. I'm sure this is how they they're all conditioned to behave. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting to me because some people will judge a royal, say Elizabeth, by how they felt about another royal, like. Princess Di. Right. So if they're a Princess Di fan, they may not like Elizabeth. If they're a, a Meghan Markle fan, they may not like Elizabeth. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, to me, that's like fans arguing over who's the best. I, I mean, that's, I, you like who you like, you know, but I just, I think it's interesting to see, like, why is this? Why is there so much pomp and circumstance on American TV? I can understand I it on English TV because it's like their queen and she's been around for a long time. She is celebrated. She is, uh, you know, I mean, looking at the clips over the years, she shows up in her color-coordinated outfits and she fucked in her hat and her purse and waves. And that's, I guess, what a figurehead does. Many nice outfits, you know, I mean, <laughs> but you throw it back to even when back in the in the nineties when Princess Diana died. I mean, I guess that's a tragedy, and it was there was so much there was so much going on around that, especially because her and Charles were separated, and she was currently with some new with with that new guy, yada yada yada. But when Princess, I remember when Princess Diana died, it was all over the news for from what I remember as a kid for a long time. But that's different, I guess. Well, not the same as. I, 
I mean, and, well, because Die was so, so popular, and it was kind of like, they because they she was built up as such a princess, and then Prince Charles let her down, cheated on her with Camilla, who was then, you know, called attractive, unattractive. I don't know, maybe she was called unattractive uh, before that. And then he kind of chose to stick with Camilla's, you know, so it, it, it was kind of a weird slight to, you know, Diana that some people felt, right? I mean, yeah. Th- yeah another thing that's interesting is that, you know, I mean, this is, I'm not saying that this is what happened because I don't know or have any of the proof, but it is a common theory that um, the, the queen had, had a hand in it. I mean, let's just, this is what many people say, especially those who are friends. Of, I'm not saying it's true, but they say things like um, she was with an Arab guy in that car that crashed and she was pregnant. And in the same way that the royal family under Queen Elizabeth's leadership, did not want Meghan Markle uh, around the royal family, or, you know, because she is a person of color. If that's what, I have no evidence of this. This is what they say. This is what mm-hmm. Meghan said. You know, th- then, then you know, she also didn't want a brown baby coming out of Princess Di's royal pussy. So, um, <laughs> now, 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 do I know that? No. Do I, do, do I have any proof that she, you know, you know, ganged up on, you know, her, her daughter-in-law and, you know, killed her because she was, I don't even have any proof that she's pregnant, but this is repeated a lot. But see, this is why I wanted to talk to about Martin. He's a scholar. He's, a you know, studying up there for his master's degree in Scotland. He's, he's probably covering for the royal family. <laughs> He's a double agent. <laughs> well, um, I, I would think it paid better. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Martin. Hi. Wait, Monet isn't here? No. Oh, you don't want to do it with just me? Oh, okay. I guess we can. <laughs> I thought I was. I thought I was going to get double trouble, but that's okay. That's okay. No, I had you. We are uh, two crackers here. You were both. I'm from born in North Carolina. Aren't you from North Carolina? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What did they say about your accent in uh, in Scotland? I get away with murder. I get away with lots of murder. It, the more I want, the thicker it gets, girl. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you something. Let me start this off right now. now you used a, a term, since we're going to do the Southern thing, you used a term I want to clarify. So my I'm doing my PhD in social anthropology and things like that. And um, I got into a lot of the Gallic history, Gaelic history, immigration history. The word cracker is misused, actually. Now, I know that in today's racial pejorative climate, they'd like to use that as a saltine for white people. But actually, the term cracker is C-R-A-I-C-E-R, which is a Gaelic term, which was uh, Scottish immigrants back in the 16th and 17th centuries. And they were the one who passed information to the revolutionaries to help 
aid and abet the American Revolution against the British royals. So the crackers knew what was called, like if you go to Dublin, you've been to Dublin before. If you go if you go to Dublin, if you come to Glasgow someplace and hang out with some locals, they'll come up to you and say, hey, bunny, what's the crack? And it's what's the deal? What's the tea? What's the, that's the old way of saying what's the tea. So it's uh-huh. not a saltine. It's not a saltine. Well, I did used to hang out with Lady Chablis, the uh, black trans woman from uh, from Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, the film that was a huge hit, I guess, back Legend. in the 90s. And she uh, was South Carolina drag, and she had a dog who she named Cracker, like a little lap dog. So she would run around in the square <laughs> with her dog saying, come here, Cracker, come here, Cracker. <laughs> and when we were on stage, because uh, I, I would perform at Club One in Savannah, you know, where she was, and we even went on tour once, uh, The she would introduce me on stage and I'd say, I'm trying to find the right way to describe Lady Bunny. Um, it's not a saltine. It's not a Ritz. It's not a wheat thin. And by the time she named every kind of cracker, she didn't even need to say cracker, but it was, she was fucking unreal. But I actually looked this up because um, a, a black queen I know was telling me that they did not like Ms. Cracker's drag name because, a, you know, you're, you're, you're saying that the word has, you know, Roots in European, uh, I mean, all most Gaelic, you know, yeah, English. yeah. But also, in in more recent times, a cracker was someone on the slave plantation in this country who cracked the whip. So they were oh. not the the master, but they were like a local. Uh, you know, they, they they weren't necessarily rich, but they were in the employ of the plantation owners, and they would be the ones hired to crack the whip. So it it's 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 kind of like a dig at uh, you know the pain they caused with the whips and a class thing, which is well, what what I've always understood the word to mean growing up in the South, which is white trash. Well, you can't deny your roots now, can you? Um, the interesting thing about that is is a little known secret, since we're kind of moving toward this royal conversation, um, was the triangle trade, whereas the uh, slave ships would go to Africa, um, abduct those poor people, take them over to America, load up with goods and bring it back here to to the UK uh, to sell. And um, the thing, the big secret or part of not, it wasn't a secret, but it was veiled was the fact that the ships just came rolling in with goods. And a lot of people didn't know the extent of the slave trade. That's called the triangle trade. And um, one of the things that's interesting is those crackers I was talking about that helped the revolution. Now I don't know this, I'm not a scholar on this, but it's very likely that they might've been involved with the slavery as well, just because they helped the revolution didn't mean they weren't part of the other thing. So, you know, well, well, I mean, but, but regardless of the words roots, um, like cracker is a word that is even, it's used as a slur, uh, to white people from black people, but it's also used as a as an insult that a white person would say to a white person who they were trying to say was trashy. 
True. So you're True. you're 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 you know good for nothing cracker. You know, I mean that's not that's that's um you know it's a put down. Or you or in some families you just call them your cousins. <laughs> or in some families you just call your cousins your lovers. Okay, <laughs> um that's the south. So, Back to the beginning. Where's Monet? We need help already. Oh, uh, yeah. We, we're, we're getting into some racially <laughs> sensitive territory, and Monet is on tour. Oh, my God. How so, dare she? I mean, everyone said they loved the episode where she wasn't Le- here. I'm just kidding. At <laughs> least somebody's working. That's right. That's right. Uh, I'm just laying here back in Hawaii waiting to get another uh Dole pineapple frozen tree. Oh my god, the food here is so good. Anyway, so you're you're in Scotland, and the the whole news has been, you know, possessed by the the royal coverage. I'm seeing it over here, um, but you're seeing it over there. Well, where you know Queen Elizabeth was a figurehead, uh, but still head of state, yeah, the head of state, and so you know. Tell me what you're seeing, what, what, what it's like to, to experience that <sighs> onslaught of pageantry. It's, it's hard to explain to Americans. I've been over here 20 years now. Believe it or not, I can't believe it. But it, it, unless you really live in a place like this and immerse yourself, you don't really recognize, you know, the, the head of state's face is stamped on everything and it's the royal post office the royal mail it's the royal every hospital is the queen elizabeth royal this and that hospital i mean this is so entrenched in the whole of the fabric of the country um it's really hard to believe and then when these events happen and then you know something like this major goes down it really brings it all to light so it's pretty darn overwhelming so, so I mean, looking at the 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 news roundups, you know, over here, you know, and the the montages from throughout the years, I mean, it looks like the queen is just going around in matching hats and waving a lot. I mean, so I mean, as a figurehead, I guess that's what you do. They have they they have royal duties. Okay. Now I have been within five feet of her. I did seven years of voluntary service in a prison here, teaching young 14 to 20 year old, uh, young incarcerated males. It was a men's, but young men's prison. You know, I was teaching them, uh, oh, is how that to read what you and write. Teaching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know what you taught them, honey. Uh, well, that's another show. Um, the, Well, it actually turned out to be a really good program, and I got invited by the First Minister of Scotland to come to the Queen's Garden Party, which is a regular event held in Edinburgh and one in Buckingham Palace as a thank you to people who do things. These events are wonderful. You know, the best tea I've ever drank in this country was given to us on that day. Um, And, you know, she's walked up, hello, you know, whatever. And I I was mesmerized, you know, this person you've seen all your life, you know, it's that sort of wow factor. I guess if you go to a concert or see somebody, um, um, you know, perform that you get that royal high, dare I say. On the other hand, um, those royal duties you're referring to, Elizabeth was a very, very stately, um, poised um, dignified figure in a world that I think has needed something like that all along, especially since the atrocities of the Second World War. 
One argument has been that they need to keep up the lavish lifestyle because that's part of the brand, that's part of the franchise, that's you know what people expect from royals, and that the royals um, generate a lot of tourism. Now, I've I've also heard reports recently that they don't generate that much tourism. The best information I've seen, and again, I'm having a conversation with you. I'm not an ultimate scholar in this stuff, but the best information I can see, even Bloomberg had a report up this week on what the actual cost of the Royals worth the benefits are. And there are there are benefits. I mean, London is packed with tourists every summer going over there to do the do the do the walk, you know, do the um, t- t- London Tower, all those things, which are love. Well, I don't like it because they used to kill people and burn them alive there. But hey, if that's your bag, go go get off on some misery porn. But they, um, London is packed with that stuff. I mean, another thing is that people are. I mean, th- this queen was in was reigning for um, seventy years. So most people who are alive have never known a time when she wasn't the ruler or the cynic, the, the figurehead or, or whatever. Right. You know, and, you know, I read an article in The Guardian from a woman of color who, you know, a lot of people are starting to look at this in different ways. Um, you know, was she a nice lady. I see a lot of people, uh, you know, referring to her reign as full of grace and duty. I mean, her duty was to hop around to different castles in custom-made outfits and wave. I mean, you know, when you say that she has restraint... Well, isn't that what you do? Uh, no, my outfits aren't that expensive, and neither are my residences. <laughs> but, but you do just walk around and wave a lot. <laughs> well, uh, I don't wave anymore. I just well, walk I think I think it's interesting this conversation. I, I I'm actually a very positive person. I believe in progress, as you know. Uh, we talk offline, and I, I would like to see a different conversation in a lot of ways. But there is something. In the I study this type of anthropology, and I do not have the answer to the question: What is it other than the familiar and the recurring familiar? Is it about the human condition that makes people want to deify figureheads like this? People have this need to congregate; they have this need to find meaning in their lives, and all of that outpouring I saw over the last ten long days. I think it's valid because these are human beings trying to connect. It's just sort of like after 9-11. You and I were both there, and I saw it suggested with the onslaught of kids moving into New York within six months. They all couldn't wait to be there in New York after that tragedy had happened. And someone made the comment, said, I said, what the fuck with all these kids coming here, wanting to live here in this mess? And and the answer was, it's the first real tangible thing that's ever happened in their lives. So I I understand this. The, the Honey, people that, have that, this, which means the yeah. rent went down in Manhattan. Because <laughs> nobody well, wanted to move there and get bombed. That's a nice way of saying it. Well, but no, 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 no. You're mis you're mishearing me. <laughs> for the first me. What time I, in I, decades, the rents went down. They did for a minute, but then all the kids from the Midwest and the South, like we like we were, came running in there because it's it symbolized something to them. And 
I d- if I could understand why, if, if my life's work could help understand why as part of it, that would be very satisfying to me that people need these figureheads. Americans surprise me when they, you know, gawk over royals um, because we're over there fighting, you know, uh, you, you know, uh, trying to claiming. I don't believe that we are spreading democracy. I think we're spreading oppression and, and military occupation. But in theory, we are funding Israel because we're funding a democracy in the Middle East. We were all excited when we um, invaded Iraq on false pretenses that they were having their first vote as a result of U.S. tanks and drone bombs. So it's like, you know, I don't understand how I, I just don't understand how we don't understand that that democracy is getting away from the queen or anything like that. Democracy is getting away from the idea that anyone is better than anyone else. We're all equal. That we are uh, that that the queen was anointed by God. Which, when you talk about that tabloid that said. Um, uh, this cloud looks like the queen. I mean, what is the explanation for that? If you believe that the queen was appointed by God as a better sort of human being than her subjects to rule, then then what are you really suggesting by that cloud? That God, who is in charge of nature, has made this cloud to commemorate her passing because she is a supernatural force. Well, now... And- I- I, I let me interject there. Now, see that is something I love about British culture. Um, there's a big tongue in cheek with that, and whoever decided to run that, and whoever one of the tabloids picked it up, the somebody's sun. doing what they call it. <laughs> well, the sun, yeah. And I will have to say, on my prison program I used to run, I got interviewed for a lot of press and things like that. And the only people who gave me an article that was a factual and not a jab at something or making fun of something was actually the sun. And I cannot believe those words are coming out of my mouth, but I've got the tear sheets to prove it. Um, on the other hand, the sun and the dismal sin pit that is the Murdoch. <laughs> situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a couple of those writers over there, you know, you t- I, I, I don't cut people out of my life because I disagree with them necessarily. And, and I know that there's a real tongue in cheeks and it's called taking the piss. You'll have heard that mm-hmm. it's a British expression. You're taking, you're taking the piss. And, um, I, I think it was a real way of making fun. It was a twisted way of making fun. If anybody really believes that the Lord above created that cloud, I think we got more problems than the Queen's funeral, quite frankly. Um, but there may be people. They may exist. Well, I and- mean, it, I don't think the sun is overly trustworthy. They, they could have photoshopped it if indeed they were, you know, taking the piss to make it sure. look more. I mean, news agencies do fuss with photos and, and trick them all, all, all along. Now, I want to, to go back to something that you were saying. This is an article in The Guardian by a woman of color. And the basic, basically the article is that, you know, she didn't, you know, the, the queen had a, a, an ugly legacy. But she said, you know, I, I sympathize, yet I sympathize with those who feel the queen's loss under her reign. Many latched on to the stabilizing sense of cultural 
continuity. So as we are in a, a you know unstable time right now, uh, with huge protests happening everywhere from France to Sri Lanka to you know, I mean the, the, the U.S. everywhere, you know it's like um, I mean I guess there is something to say for cultural continuity. But to go back to your question, why do we seek these figureheads? Well. And, 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 you know, this could even touch on Hollywood royalty. A lot of us want to think or seem to be predisposed to think we are serfs and we, these people need to, you know, they, 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 because of their birthright or because of their beauty or their abilities, they rise, or because of their agent and their publicist, they rise above common folk to this elevated position to where we have to know every little detail, every little gossip, every little, you know, oh, did Meghan Markle do this? Or did, you know, did the Queen snub, you know, this or, you know, whatever. And it's, it's, it's elevating a figurehead that has a very ugly history. So, I mean, it, it, what, what, what the, the figurehead is a figurehead of, the monarchy, the British Empire, has a very ugly history. So to answer your question, because we, we have our own, you know, political ro- royalty, we have political dynasties like uh, the Clintons, the Bu- I hope that one's over, uh, the Bushes, the Kennedys, um, you know, hopefully the Trumps <laughs> is over ending with one. But listen, people on the surface, a little old lady who looked nice and was very presentable and had on colorful matching outfits and would come out in jewels on special occasion and they would, you know, wave. Well, like this Guardian article said, it's a stabilizing sense of cultural continuity. But people only look at the surface because yes, she was someone's grandmother. Yes, she was. Uh, she 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 uh, you know reigned for seventy years. But at, at the same time, that's just on the surface. People don't want to look beyond the surface. Well, they they well, don't want to look beyond the surface. Like Republicans want to say, oh, you know, and I and and I spoke with a driver the other day in Delaware, who was telling me that he thought that Trump, the businessman, could turn the economy around. And that's why he, um, you know, uh, supported him. And so I, I, I was thinking, well, so weren't his businesses um, like con scheme, Ponzi schemes, where he would put his name brand Trump on some project and then walk away, and it would lose money and go bankrupt. I mean, isn't that what a lot of Trumps? But so, if you just look on the surface, I see how you could understand how Trump is. You know, see that Trump is a successful, you know, business person, and that he may run the country like a business, and that everyone will have happier. Uh, times, but um, that's a very surface look. And if you don't believe um, in doing any digging beyond the surface, then you are uh, you're you're going to go through life believing all kinds of nonsense. You're 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 the sucker that they waited for. Well, well, uh, oh, girl. 
Whew, you should have well, been I, a preacher. Okay, but, 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 let, I'm me gonna, you, but let me tell you. I get, what, I get, but what, 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 I get other, what you're what saying. Example, I get what you're saying. One other example. <laughs> you and I both supported Obama. We both voted for I Obama. I didn't support Obama. I didn't, I didn't vote for Obama. I didn't vote you for didn't? Obama. Okay, I, I voted nope. for Obama twice, and um, the, uh, the 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 people think that you know we called it back then. He was a Trojan horse, you know, who campaigned on hope and change, didn't bring much, and was it was it a vessel for corporate interests? You know, under but the here guise. you go, here you go. So so. So, so on, on the surface, on. he's a black man. On the surface, he's a black man who's very, very charming and has an attractive wife and children. But he was actually, um, you know, he didn't do a lot for his own people. And if you want to go beyond the surface images that the uh, that the media is pumping out, um, then there's an ugly, ugly history. To be, I guess people just don't want to deal with the ugliness because they need figures that they can look up to. It's almost like a daddy thing or like a a, a Stockholm syndrome. Girl, I got to get out my organ for you. We are going to church. Absolutely, I agree with what you. Girl, breathe, honey, breathe. We're not thirty anymore. We're not thirty. I can feel it coming. Let me let me try if I can to. Um, unpack what you just did um okay so i first of all i would like to rewind and say that you have a lot of nerve criticizing a queen with a dark checkered past okay let's just get that out of the way um secondly let's let's have a look so we're talking about these need for figureheads and i think i'm sitting here staring across at my shelf with a book that i've had that i bought at saint on in the off a table at saint mark's church walking home when i used to drink and work at the bar on fourth street and second avenue and it stuck out for me and i've carried it all the way over here it's by alan bloom called the closing of the american mind now i'm not going to get into into all of it but he basically talks about the dumbing down of education and the dumbing down of society and the dumbing down of culture into a situation where is contributive to what you just described in my opinion. And so the answer is I I would stop. The one thing I think that that article in the guardian might be pointing toward, I didn't read it, but I know the, I know the synthesis of, of the guardian as a publication. I don't like most of it, but I do know it is don't, you know how they say when someone brings bad news, don't shoot the messenger. I think this is the reverse of that. When people don't have the information, don't shoot the, don't shoot the, the people with lack of information. I don't want to use the I word. I'm just going to say, say that. And I think people will coalesce around one of two things, three things, actually survival, good ideas. And in the absence of one of those first two, Deities, figureheads, fake narratives, smoke and mirrors. I mean, this is the Wizard of Oz all over again. All of those situations you've just described. And I think, though, it might be a mistake. I'm as frustrated with you are on the inaction and the lack of calling out and the lack of of, of accountability in whoever these figureheads are, elected or appointed or whatever, or anointed by God or whatever. But I think I think as progressives, if I do put us in that category, 
we've got to really find a way to 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 create a narrative and say here's a better story and an easy go to example that comes to mind for me is it's a very easy and 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 I'm sure this podcast listeners will relate to it is the I have a dream speech Martin Luther King Jr did and I had an opportunity, very fortunate, I'm so grateful for a lot of this stuff, to meet um, Clarence B. Jones, who wrote the first half of the dream speech uh, that he gave in the March on Washington. Now, Jones wrote up the first half, and the first half was about how they'd been in a bank the day before trying to cash a contribution check, and the other white people were walking in the bank and cashing checks left, right, and center, not a problem. They get took to the back and interrogated on who they were, where the money came from, you know, oh, we don't know if we can do this for you today, blah, 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 simply because their color of their skin. That We knew, you know, we know this at this point. And the first part of that speech, if you go back and listen to it on YouTube, is all about we've come to cash a check. We've come to, we've come to collect on the promise of America. And if you watch King give that speech, um, that's the 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 dull information. If you I don't want to call it dull, but that's the the factual information. It was colorful language, um, but you see. King get to a point with that speech and he pauses and there's a moment in there where he kind of tilts his head to the left. Now, that was actually the end of the speech that was written and there was tepid applause. Okay, thanks, Martin. You know, okay, you've done your job, blah, blah, blah. But he tilts his head and that was the moment that Mahalia Jackson, the gospel singer, says, sings across the platform under her breath just from beside of him, tell him about the dream, Martin. Don't forget the dream. Now, at that point, everything he said was completely extemporaneous on the spot. It was not in the text in front of him. The part we remember is about that idea. And he knew he was not speaking to scholars. But what he didn't say is, y'all don't know this, and da-da-da-da-da, and start, you know, and using this divisive language. And I'm not calling you out on it. I think we do this too much in society. And I think that is the conversation I would like to be having where even it doesn't matter if the queen was anointed by God or y'all just loved a woman because she was cute. How can we reshape the conversation in a way about ideas and how can we get away, and I know you'll agree with this, get away from these identity politics and these these faces and these in one day, out the other, this thing one minute, that thing the other, because we are all being bought and sold with that. That's all consumerism. That's all pure consumerism. Well, and the, the last thing, the last thing is that my one of my dear mentors, John Calder, who passed away a couple of years ago, um, he published thirty-one Nobel laureates. He was a big part of the nineteen fifties and sixties counterculture in Britain. He got the censorship laws overturned or helped doing so. He got prosecuted for publishing Lady Chatterley's Lover over here. Um, he once told me when I first came over here in two thousand four, I would be meeting with him, and he was very brusque, and he didn't take any crap off me. He didn't want to hear my little New York shtick or any of that stuff. He's like, what do you know? And how do you know it? And how are you going to write about it? And and I so this is how he was. And I said, well, the American democracy, he goes, stop right there. America is not a democracy. It's never been a uh, democracy. It was set up as a republic for commerce. End of story. So if we start back with the ideas, 
I don't know. Maybe I just got on. Maybe I just went to church, girl. But yeah, I think I think there's some. I think there's a different conversation to be had. I didn't see it happening today, uh, or or this week. Um, I saw. Let's go backwards. Let's go. Let's revert to the familiar and hope all will be well. Um, but I can't criticize the people who stood out there crying as the woman's casket. It it was meaningful to them. It was a. It was a. Again, back to my first word that just came to my mind, a conundrum. It's a conundrum. It's the human condition. And I think we need those conversations you're alluding to, though. I think that we need, if we're going to elect people because we hope they'll represent people of color better or women better or something like that, we need to be digging into what they actually stand for before we just throw ourselves at them and deify them. Well, exactly. And I mean, I, you know, I mean, I I mean, when, when, when you say I think we need, you know, new conversations. So this is one reason that I like the Internet. So, um. A lot of Puerto Rican friends on Facebook and from the 15 years or 10 years that I've been on it, I came to realize that many white friends um, and black friends would say happy Thanksgiving and, and Puerto Rican friends or American Indian friends would say, I don't celebrate that horrible day when, you know, the Indians came to give the pilgrims some Corn and y'all gave them syphilis and shot them. Yeah, I mean it's it's like you know you you get to the inter, the internet is a cesspool, but it also has some fascinating you know voices that as you and I both know they are not from the mainstream media. And in my way of thinking, they are more accurate. We all know that our media in the U.S., is all of it is owned by six billionaires. So they want to make the most of someone like the Queen, who is a rich and conservative, uh, the, the, the equivalent of a Republican in the, in the States, uh, landowner. And, you know, it's... Uh, Here is one guy that was on interviewed on Democracy Now. He's the first um, uh, professor, the UK's first professor of Black Studies, and forgive me if I say your name wrong, Kehinde on Andrews. I can't even pronounce Andrews. Um, And this is what he has to say in a Democracy Now uh, interview about a piece he wrote called "I Don't Mourn the Queen." I'd say that I've spoken I'd say that I've spoken to probably about 20 journalists. I've done interviews like this all week. Not one of them has been with the British press. There's been wall-to-wall coverage of the funeral. I turn on any TV channel, it's just queen, 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 queen and no dissent, no questioning the role, no questioning the future of the monarchy, none of this. It really has been a week of propaganda, which has come to a crescendo today where everything is closed. And, you know, he's he's saying, you know, some of the stuff, let me, let me, let me read some more of his comments. Um, 70 years, uh, certainly, I think, and when we say the Commonwealth, that's just a form of British empire. I think many countries are going to think about removing the Queen as head of state, including my own country of Jamaica. But I think also in Britain, 
like this monarchy is a terrible symbol. If we want to have an anti-racist Britain, if we want to learn the lessons from the Black Lives Matter summer, if you want a public space which includes uh, the millions of children of empire in it, we have got to get rid of the monarchy. Because, you know, this is why I love the, the hearing, you know, from the internet, you know those beautiful jewels that they're ranting on about the news? Well, they were stolen. Um, do you know the, 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 I, I mean, this is the, the, the I, I was in Hyde Park, uh, several years ago and I noticed this incredible, like, group of statues and it was thanking, um, all of these, you know, uh, countries for providing troops to the UK. Um, you know, these huge statues in Hyde Park. And I, I was looking at all of them and I thought, well, wait a minute. These are UK's colonies that they invaded and and took over and exploited and you know at military. I mean, they didn't even leave. A cab driver told me, an Indian cab driver told me they didn't even leave uh, India until 1947. I mean, you know, there's there there's people alive who were part of this empire. So, yeah, this this might have been a, a little old lady and somebody's grandmother and the picture of respectability and grace or whatever that means, but she she is part of an ugly, you know, legacy. And don't think I'm not criticizing the US's imperialism or the rest of um, you know, Europe that, you know, I mean, listen, I'm in Hawaii where the U.S. stole that from their queen in uh, in the 1800s. I, I mean, I just started learning about this. So it's like the, the, the monarchy is a symbol of worldwide uh, oppression of, of people well, it of was, color. It was, a, it was an empire. And yeah. the last, you know, the Roman Empire, the, the, and, but the one thing is all empires eventually crumble. I mean, they don't, they, they are unsustainable no matter how, I mean, the, the, the myth is, is that the Romans petered out in a variety of ways. The, the, the truth that I've read is, is that the Romans started cooking with lead pots and they all poisoned themselves. That's why they were all glowing white at the end. I mean, I've heard that anecdotally. I don't know it to be fact, but there are factors like right now we've got factors, global pandemics, uh, uh, climate change, all these types of things. There's factors that are, you know, you can throw as many parties as you want, but you know, <laughs> I, it occurred to me while we're sitting here that we're, that we're talking as if um, we're talking as if, um, you know, Britain is this one big, you know, melting pot of honey over, over the royals. It's really not. I mean, there's, there's a lot of people want to take back those narratives, and they would actually like to do some repairing. I don't know if I'd go so far as reparations, but do some repairing uh, to that legacy. And I mean, a fact you may not know is, is that when slavery was abolished in England, in the UK, back in the day, um, the government paid off the slave owners for their losses as a result of abolishing the slaves and, and giving the slaves their freedom or doing whatever happened with them, um, setting them free from slavery. And that was a financed uh, debt to these slave owners that the taxpayers of the UK have been paying off for the last several, however many hundred years, and it only got paid off in full recently in the last five years. So people of color in the UK who have paid taxes have paid a portion to slave, former slave owners who um, who 
had to give up their slaves because they abolished it. So, I mean, it's bizarre. It's just absolutely bizarre, these truths of these legacies. I think the question is, what do you do about it? I mean, I, I, and I think well, also, I mean, I you mean, were some, saying- Some would yeah. suggest right off the bat, me not knowing the situation you just described, if the slave owners were paid off for, you know, years and years and years, um, what about the slaves whose labor was exported, who were ripped from their homes and forced to, uh, you know, ride uh, across to foreign lands on long journeys filled in the, in the hull of a ship filled with disease and, and excrement? I mean, come on. I mean, these people were treated Absolutely. like shit. And, you know, um, no matter what color the queen's hat is, I mean, she used her position to go and dignify, um, you know, bad situations. And, you know, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it. But here's another side to it, too. Here's another. So here. So that's the political side, the economic side, the truths that are coming out, you know, devil's advocate. On the other side, there are the truths we talked about before with people, whether they pledge allegiance or they feel an alliance or an affinity for this figurehead and this woman and this grandmother and all those things. I think I think they're different conversations. And um, thing to the thing that occurred to me is uh, back in the day when Britain, the UK had capital punishment when someone would be executed, um, it was really. You know, they invented a lot of these torturous things over here. That's why I won't go to the Tower of London. I just, I can't be in places where people were tortured and stuff. I think it should be taken apart like the French did the Bastille. Well, then don't go to Monet Exchange's shows. Oh, well, honey, she learned from you. But anyway, (laughs) the, um, the, uh, what I was going to say was, is, if you had, if you were unfortunate enough to have a loved one who was convicted and 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 to be executed, there were no visits, there were no any kind of of uh, witnesses or anything like that. You would be given a date and a time that it would occur, and when the clock rang on that date and time, you just knew your loved one was dead, and then you would be then they wouldn't even let the remains be liberated from the prison so the family could do a burial or any kind of closure. They buried the person within the prison walls. So they literally took that life, um, and I'm anti-corporal punishment on a million levels for these reasons, but they took that life in totem. And it occurred to me when I was watching what happened this week, um, she used to say, and again, we're talking about the, the, the the person, the human being that people connect with, this person couldn't, she couldn't walk down the street to the, to the charity shop and buy a new frock just on a giggle. She couldn't pop out to the, to the sandwich shop and get a quickie. You know, she said when she took the role, she gave her entire life to that, that role. But when, she passed away. She was locked away in her castle. Now, of course, it's grandeur and it's posh and all that stuff. But as a human being, it's never liberated because everything that happened to her from the minute she took the crown to the minute she died and then was buried was dictated by someone else. Now, I don't say have poor old sympathy for the queen, but I'm just saying as a humanity, as you're t- we're talking about the way we abduct slaves and, and take away their humanity and, and force them in one way, and then we're deifying these people who in a very obtuse, ironic way are, you know, they're never liberated themselves. She was put 
in, you know, the family went in, they put her in the box, whatever, and then that box toured the country and sat there, and, you know, there was no liberation. There was no... Well, but, but, I mean, some people would not call... Um, you know, walking around and waving in designer outfits, um, you know, in, in a hard job. You know, so, someone would some some people would not call that sacrifice. And well, uh, uh, devil's advocate on that one too. Uh, Princess Diana pointed that out left, right, and center, and look, look. Well, you know, we all know what happened there. Um, you know, there's a million theories about all that, but. They're never free. They're, so, so in a way, we're talking about liberating people in freedom, ultimately. And then, you know, Diana was like, I remember her and Fergie. I remember watching on uh, CNN or something back in the day when they did that illicit interview. And they said, we're managed 24 hours a day. I can't go to the bathroom without gray coats following me to the toilet. Now, I'm not saying, oh, poor them. But I don't think that the royal lavishness comes with the liberation we would all appreciate it to have. Queen Elizabeth I, there was, I can't remember the battle and the time, I'd have to look it up, but there was, it's very famous story. Over here, everybody knows it. Over there, this might be new for some people. Long story short, the Spanish were coming up to attack England at the time, and she went down and uh, gathered the troops, and they went down and fortified the, the 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 beachhead and everything like this. And it was pretty known that the Spanish outnumbered them tremendously, and that it was going to be a complete wipeout. She was prepared to lose her throne on that day, and she went down to be with her troops and said, you know, if yeah, basically, if we're, if this is going to happen, I'm going to be there, you know. And whether you, you know. Give her give her credit for that or not is is up to the storytellers. But she stood there in front of these troops who were pretty much prepared to be annihilated, and she said, "I have the body of a woman, but I have a heart of a lion." And I said, and she said, "Watch me proceed or roar." I don't have the exact quote to my head, but I have the body of a woman but I've got the heart of a lion. And that's where some of this lion stuff comes from. But had this, the British ships and Armada not defeated or the, the uh, Spanish in the sea, there would have been a whole nother. The Spanish probably would have taken over the, uh, the British crown on that day. So there again, you've got this legion of people standing there willing to die <laughs> for this idea of someone they like. I think the question is, how do we use this? Oh, God, am I going to say this? Use this as a learning moment, something we don't do very much on a Lady Bunny show, but use this as, uh, use this as a learning moment to possibly change. And this is why, if I got on my soapbox a little bit, this is why I cringe with what's going on with the so-called left right now. Divide, finger point, separate, you know, terms, terminology, cancel culture, identify. We are chopping everyone up into nice little bits for these that would keep us in these places and on those slave ships, I mean metaphorically, and things like that. Keep us in our place. Keep those of us who weren't born with the silver spoon and the divine right from God. We're playing right into it. 
And it doesn't matter how your right is better than their right. And da, 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 da. While you're all busy, they raising the energy rates. While y'all all busy fussing and fighting, they, they're hiding money in offshore accounts. While you're all busy fussing and fighting, they're doing things like Brexit. Okay? Oh, yeah. And it's, it's like we have got to... There's an old saying in I don't know if you if you're familiar with twelve step recovery and stuff you probably should be. Um, <laughs> there's a there's an old saying: look for the similarities. And I really cringe on the left that we're not looking for you know what you know. And one things I think we could do: left, right, center, monarchist, anti-monarchist, anything else is across the board in red, white, and blue democracies. Term limits. That's what I think could be one issue, standalone issue, kind of like the ones the Enough is Enough campaign is doing over here now. There's there's going to be a strike on October 1st that's starting to look like a general strike over here. This just broke before we got on the air air here. Um, the Enough is Enough campaign, the 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 mail, the 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 trains, everything's going on strike on October 1st over here. That's that's a date to watch if this airs before before then. And um, but yeah, I think so, but- term limits are something we could rally around left, right, and center and say, right, elect whoever you think is best, whether it be Donald Trump or Clinton or Bernie or whoever, but they cannot fucking stay there past eight years. And then the next issue should be um, limit their ability to get rid of the lobbyists, get rid of the money out of the politics. If you get elected, you can't take private money. End of story. And we're going to watch your every dime. I think those are two issues that we could come together you know, the duck dynasty and the bunny queendom could come together and probably do something about. Um, well, Martin, tell us where people can find you if they want to hear more. And tell us about your book, Pretty Broken Punks. Well, that was <laughs> that was done about that was a memoir I wrote in 2012. It was published in 2012. It's now out of print, but if people want to see parts of it, I can possibly get a few copies. It's just martinbelk.com. Um, the website needs updating a little bit, and I'm working on relaunching my podcast, which is Late Supper Podcast. Um, and, and this has helped invigorate me a little bit to do so. Oh, good. So, yeah. so Martin Belk, B E L K. Dot com. Dot com. And on Instagram, yep. you can be found where? At, um, oh, I forgot. Hold on a minute. <laughs> At Boomer. <laughs> okay, Boomer. I'm, a, I'm, I'm an ex. I'm an ex. It's at Martin Belk underscore Late Supper. Okay. And is that your podcast, Late Supper? Late Supper, yep. Okay. Well, honey, thank you for the uh, in-depth chat. Thank you for having me. Podcast Network.